0: Welcome to another great message by Pastor Adrian Wright, lead pastor at Anchor Church. We pray this message will encourage, inspire, and transform your life. Our heart is to share the hope of Jesus with our city and nation. I'm going to start off today by sharing a message with you called Stepping into the Promise. If you're taking notes this morning, Stepping into the promise. I want to talk about stepping into the promise for your life, and I want to speak prophetically about how we're going to step into the promise that God has for our church in these days to come. And I want to go to Jeremiah chapter 1. We did a whole series on Jeremiah uh, last year called Run With Horses. Uh, it's available online. You've got to go and listen to it. Uh, it speaks to me over and over and over again. And I absolutely love Jeremiah 1 and verse 11, as God begins to step into a young man's life. A young Jeremiah, a youth at this point, and he speaks prophetically. There's a call of God that hits his heart, the voice of God that rattles around on the inside of him. It's, una- it, it, it's unavoidable. It's, it's something that you cannot ignore. It's so evident. And when you start to hear the call of God on your life, like many of you are even today, it's something that shakes you up and that you cannot shake. Um, Jeremiah 1.11 says, The word of the Lord came to me, to Jeremiah, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see?'" The question to all of us, what do you see? What do you see today? What do you see tomorrow? What do you see about your future? What do you see about your life? What do you see about what God is doing here at Anchor Church, in this city, in this nation? God, give us a heart for our nation. God, give us a heart for nations of the world. Give us a heart for the lost. Give us a heart for those that don't know you. Give us a heart for the broken. What do you see this morning? Do you only see yourself? Do you only see your own needs, your own problems, your own desires? Or do you see? Do you have a greater vision? That's the meaning of of prophecy. To speak prophetically not only means to speak before, but to speak greater than. It's a bigger word, it's a better word, it's a more important word than all the other words that we have in our lives. So, what do you see? What is God's voice over your life saying? And Jeremiah replied, I see an almond branch which was prophetic of a new season. The almond branch blossoms before any other tree blossoms. It signifies the change of a season. It signifies the fulfillment of a promise. The Lord said to me, you have seen well. I find that significant. We could see unwell. We could see incorrectly. We could look at the wrong things. We could focus our lives, our energy, our time, our money on the wrong things. Things that don't have eternal value, that don't involve the promise. God says, You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to fulfill it. How incredible that! I mean, somebody's just got to take that today for their own lives. You know, how often do we get involved with striving to try and produce the promise when God says, I am watching? I am the one that's involved. I am the one that's there. And I'm just asking you to see what it is that I have already planned to do and that I am watching to fulfill. I mean, I could just end the message right there. Thank you, everybody, for coming. Let's go outside and have some. Okay, no, wait. I've got more to say. Um, but how incredible that God is watching over His promise to perform it in our lives. Do you know that God has plans? Imagine for a moment, God sitting down in heaven, And taking out a notebook and a pen and beginning to write down, plan for Anchor Church and He begins to write down the lives that will be touched. He begins to write down the people that will be involved. He begins to write down the disciples that will be made. He begins to write down the friendships that will be made and the relationships that will, that will occur and, and the things that will be mended and the lost things that will be found. He begins to write these things down. And this is what I'm gonna do with Anchor Church in 2021. And this is what I'll do in 2022. And this is what I'll do in 2023. And now imagine God sitting down and writing your life into that story, In this year, in the year of 2020, Janssen and his family, Janssen and his family will join Anchor Church and will become a part of what God wants to do. Every one of us are a part of that story. And then God writes down for each individual in this room today, an incredible plan. Do you know that God doesn't only have a plan for our church, but he has a plan for your life? as an individual and as a family, he writes it down, right, what will we do? What will we do with this person's life? What will we do with this community? Jeremiah 29, 11, well-known scripture, God says, I know the plans. You might not be aware of them yet. You might not have tasted the fullness of them yet, but I know the plans, the plans that God that he has for us, the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, there are plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Those are the plans. God has them and he knows them. Psalm 139, 16 says, your eyes saw my unformed substance, listen to this, in your book were written. Oh, so God does have a book. So we don't just have to imagine it, we can believe it this morning. He does have a book. And in that book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, for you, for us. When as yet, there was none of them. So in many ways, we're not making history, we're stepping into history. We're stepping into a plan. We're not coming up with the plans. We're a part of something that God has desired to do before any of us had had a single day. Before Anchor had a day, before you had a day, God had a book and he wrote down what He would want to do in and through your life in that time. All the mighty exploits He would do in us and through us. I want to ask you this morning, do you know the plan? Do you know the plan God has for you? Do you live as if there is a plan, as if you're pursuing something greater, something that God is calling you to? He's going to inspire every step inside of you. The Bible says that God does not just ask us to do things but he gives us the ability to will and to do. So before God asks you to do something with your hands, he begins to speak in your heart. And so that's when we begin to hear that call of God on the inside of us. We know that God has a plan because he has declared this over our lives prophetically. He's revealing these things to us. And so I wanna do a little bit of that What I feel is a prophetic message today that's speaking before, that's speaking greater than, bigger than, above, because I believe that as a church, we are at a transition point. I believe that as a church, we are in a moment right now that is going to require faith for us to step into the promise. You see, God has the plan, but He asks you to engage with it through faith. Do you believe this morning? That's why Paul says, Paul says Jesus stepped into our lives for a purpose, and now we are pursuing the reason for which Christ pursued us. So Jesus already made the first move, but are we pursuing the reason for which he pursued us? Every one of us has to ask that question individually of ourselves. I'm going to ask you this. Have you ever been stuck in one gear, just like in a single gear, your car, like you couldn't get... You know, you're, something wrong with your gearbox. Anybody, I know, you know, one of my friends, Coco, is here today. Coco is one of the, the biggest petrol heads I've ever known, absolutely love cars. I was doing their marriage counseling with him and Charlene, and I was talking about budgeting, and their eyes just glazed over. They're like, but we like cars. Um, <laughs> and so he's an incredible car guy, and we used to play touch rugby on a team together. And one night we were on the field and we we're like, where's Coco? He hasn't arrived. And he messaged us, guys, I just rolled my BMW around the corner. That's because he was trying to do it at 200 kilometers an hour, all right? So <laughs> not really. It's not true. He was going slowly. Something else happened. I can't remember what it was. But, but maybe, Cox, maybe you've been in that position where you've kind of been stuck in a gear or haven't been able to get out of gear. But I remember one time when my family, I was maybe about uh, maybe 14 years old at the time, and uh, we went to London. As a family, we visited London. And uh, my dad rented a car. And we decided we were going to go out to Dover Beach for the day, just go out and see the white cliffs of Dover. And so, you know, my siblings, I was the oldest. My, my youngest brother was, uh, was only about seven years old, six or seven years old at that time. We drove out to Dover Beach. And driving back, my siblings were fighting with each other, like every parent has ever experienced when driving with kids. I need a car with like 24 seats so that I can get my kids as far as possible from each other. Um, Because it's chaos when you're on the long road. And so it had been a long day. We had had cake, which we shouldn't have had. And and now we were, and and they were just ratty and fighting. And coming home, my dad at one point had had enough. And so as we got into London, he decided he was going to park the car. I spoke about parallel parking last week. You know, it's one thing to parallel park a car. It's another thing to parallel park it when you're angry. And so my dad pulled over, and he was going to throw the car into reverse in order to park the car and sort my siblings out. And when he did this, the gear lever came out in his hand, right? He literally just pulled it out of the gearbox. So now we've got the gear lever. It's a rented Peugeot. Sorry, Peugeot, maybe I shouldn't have mentioned you by name, but your gear levers come out. Um, and, so, and so he's got the, the gear lever in his hand, and we're hitting London traffic. We have to go down Park Lane at 5 p.m. and the car's in third gear, (laughs) stuck in third gear. Have you ever tried to get a car going, like a station wagon full of kids going in third gear? So basically this was the scene, right? My dad's revving it like he wants to dice everyone in London that day, right? It's revving, the whole car's shaking. This Peugeot is like, I don't have any more to give, but I'm gonna try. You know, smoke's coming out, and we're revving it. And then everybody's like, this guy wants to dice with his kids in the car. What's wrong with him? Maniac. And then uh, it goes, and then it goes, then it goes rrr, 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 like that, you know. And then it dies. And we stall in the middle of the intersection. And uh, my dad's got his hazards on. And everybody's going, your hazards are on. You know, the, the British people, your hazards are on. My dad's like, he almost got out of the car one, but he's like, I know. I know there's something wrong. That's why I put them on. You know, just so frustrating. I remember just lying down in the back of the seat, like, please, Jesus, just let us get home. This is the worst thing. It took us like an hour to get home. And, um, and I cannot tell you how relieved I was when I actually saw where we were staying. When I, uh, I saw the spot, I was like, we are home. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing us through. But for a lot of people, that is your experience of life. Maybe even right now, you feel like, I'm stuck in gear. I've got places I want to go. I've got things that I have in my heart to do. Even as a church, we have things that we want to take possession of that we believe God has given us through His promise. And many times it feels like we're revving the engine, but we can't get going. Have you ever felt that way in your own life? Like I've tried everything, I've come to the end of myself. I've revved as much as I can rev, but I'm constantly stalling. Many of us have felt this way like we're aimlessly wandering in the wilderness. That, you know, what we're doing just becomes mundane and it just becomes routine and we don't have that passionate pursuit burning in our hearts. But God asks us today, for those that feel stuck in the wilderness, for those that feel that they're, they've been in this season for a long time, God is asking, what do you see? What do you see? What is your perception? What is your vision of the future? Do you still trust that God is watching over his word and his promise to fulfill it? Do you still trust that for your own life? Or have you given up too soon? Have you become disillusioned and decided, uh, you know, that's not really for me anymore? I believe that for Anchor Church, as we enter our seventh year, that number of spiritual perfection, God is going to fulfill those promises that he has spoken over us. There, there, there is, there are a, there's a multitude of salvations, of miracles, of healing, of, of influence, of impact, of hope in a city that we have tasted, we live it, we breathe it. It's, our, it's everything we are because it's the call of God in our lives, not just leaders, but as a community. Do we believe that God is going to fulfill that this year? We believe He is. So it is time for transition, right? For your own life, for our church, it's time for transition. I want you to do the one thing that every person wishes their pastor will stop doing, but we're going to do it because it's a party today and we're going to do it. Can you turn to your neighbor and say to them, it's time for transition, right? Turn to your second choice the more awkward one, look them in the eye deeply and say, it is time for transition. You know what the enemy will tell us? The enemy will come to you in your own life and he will say, you can never get there from here. I remember hearing the story of a pastor that went to go preach at a church in Wales and got lost while driving around in Wales. And so he pulled over by the side of the road and found a man walking there, wound down, wound down his window and asked him, can you tell me how to get to this church? And the guy said to him, you'll never get there from here. Like, what do you mean? We can get anywhere from anywhere. He's like, no, you'll never get there from here. And that's the discouragement that I believe the enemy wants to speak into your heart today. You see the vision, but you settle in the wilderness because you believe you'll never get there from where you are right now. You'll never get there from here. But what is true is that we won't be able to get there unless we're willing to transition. Transition is often painful. It's often difficult. It requires vision. It requires commitment. But if you want to step into the promise, you cannot stay in the wilderness. I mean, that's logical, right? If you want to step into God's fullness for your life, you cannot be wandering around aimlessly. You have to have the vision and the the courage to step into what God has for you. I want to share a few ideas about transitioning, stepping into the promise. And I believe that God is gonna stir up some dead dreams and awaken some broken hopes in this place this morning so that we can all possess that which Jesus secured for us on the cross. It's ours already. I want to go to Joshua 1. I went to Jeremiah 1. I'm going to go to Joshua 1, and we're pretty much just going to stay in this Scripture uh, for the few minutes that I have left. I just want to show you three things out of this Scripture, Joshua 1 and verse 1. I'm going to read through to verse 6 because this is a moment where the people of Israel are now stepping into the promised land. They're stepping into the promise, and I believe there's some things that God can show us through this Scripture. In verse one, it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all of this people, not just Joshua, everybody together, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And you can insert your own name in there today. I will not leave you or forsake you. Here's the charge. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. I you shall cause these people to inherit the land. Israel had been going around in circles. They had been wandering in the wilderness. They had become disillusioned. And the reason why they wandered around in a desert that, you know, for 40 years on a journey that could have taken, you know, just a few weeks to get across is because Hebrews Hebrews 4 actually tells us why. It wasn't because they got lost. It wasn't because they lost their way. It wasn't because, you know, they found the desert more comforting. It wasn't because there was something calling them back. Hebrews 4 tells us that they were unable to enter into God's rest because they didn't mix their hearing what God had promised to do. The Bible says the good news that was preached to us was preached to them also, but it did not profit them. It did not benefit them. It did not work for them. Why? Because they did not mix with their hearing faith. Faith. There was a promise. They just didn't believe it. And so they wandered, they were stuck in gear. And so I am hoping this morning that the Holy Spirit will stir up some faith in our hearts. It says that new season, that next step, that promised land that God has for our church, for our families and for our individuals in this room today. I am believing that we can have the faith to perceive. What do you see? What do you see? Have you given up? We should not settle for the wilderness. We need a mix with our hearing faith. Now they're poised at the edge of the promised land. And in this moment, God speaks to them. God calls Joshua, who is a new kind of leader and also a type of Jesus, the type that takes us across the Jordan into the promised land. He's already done that for us. And he says a few things to Joshua. Joshua these three things that I want to talk about today. The first one he says, he says, now arise. He says, step up. If you are going to step into the promise, it's time to step up, right? We cannot be apathetic about our lives, about our future, about what God has for us. If we want to take our hold of all the things that God has predestined for us to take a hold of all of those things that were written in His book. It means that at some point we have to get up, now arise, and walk by faith. It means that we have to take steps. It means that we have to change some things, transition some things, organize some things, let go of some things to transition into the promised land. It's time to get up and go the time of transition is upon you. Do you perceive it? Are you ready for it? God is saying, I want you to hear the call of my heart. There's no time uh, for self-doubt here. God doesn't factor in self-doubt. It's irrelevant to Him because God is not asking you if you're brilliant enough or good enough or strong enough. And this is a word for me. Because many times I think, if only I was better as a leader in this way, if only I tried harder in in, in this area, if only I fixed things here, then I would see the promise fulfilled. But God says, who's watching over the word to perform it? He is. What does he tell us to do? What's the one thing he says? Did he say, hey, Joshua, so I need you to go and do some leadership training. I need you to do a few push-ups in the morning. I need you to sort a few things out. No, what does he tell Joshua to do? Be strong. Be courageous. Don't hold back. Step up. Don't give a second thought to your own abilities. Just follow the command of God. Follow the call of God. We just need to be strong and step into what God has for us. He says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Some people here today need to take a hold of anxiety, need to take a hold of fear and put it under the feet of Jesus. I'm sure you're tired of waking up every morning feeling overwhelmed, right? Come on, we live in the real world. I'm sure you're done being stressed out and anxious about every other thing. The Bible invites us to take all of our burdens and to give them to Jesus. Why? Because He cares for us. We're not gonna be ruled by fear. We're not gonna be ruled by anxiety. I break that spirit over every person in this place today. The spirit of weariness is broken in Jesus' name. You are given a garment of praise. What does praise do? It declares the goodness of God. We're gonna be those who declare the promise and praise Jesus more than we focus on the problem, more than we stress about the day that is ahead. We're gonna step up with courage. Why? Because Jesus is with us. How about you take the call of God on your life for a test drive? Come on, take it out for a spin. You're not stuck in gear. God added an extra gear. There's like six gears there. If it's an automatic, maybe eight. Take your calling out for a spin. Step up and show up. You know what? That might look like you joining the Alpha Course, it might look like you finally getting baptized. It might look like you joining the team and beginning to give a part of your, of your gifting and your talents that God has given you. It might look like you becoming generous towards the kingdom of God, trusting Him in a bigger way. But it's time to step up, to trust in Jesus. So much of our faith has this anticipatory quality to it. it it's about looking forward. It's about looking ahead and living in expectation. Philippians 3.13 says, Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own yet. It's not, I'm not there yet. But one thing I do, forgetting, forgetting that which lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Faith, that faith means trusting in the reality of God. And that has a bearing. If you trust in the, in the reality of God, it has a bearing on how you live your life every single day. We live with faith in God's uh, grace in our lives. And often that re- causes us to do things that require risk, right? Francis Chan said this. He said, but God doesn't call us to be comfortable. He calls us to trust Him so completely that we are unafraid to put ourselves in situations where we will be in trouble if he doesn't come through. We have a a saying between the elders, we call it the faith gap. I mean, our gap is big at the moment. (laughs) We have, even in taking up this space and taking the steps that we have, we will be in trouble if God doesn't come through. But it is the safest space you could possibly be. Eugene Peterson writes about how this the safest place on earth is in the midst of the battle. Why? Because that's where Jesus is. That's where he, he is. And so what risks do you need to take in your life in order to step into the promise? Be strong and be courageous and trust in God. Speak to the mountain. Don't camp at the foot of it. Jesus said, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Do you understand that there's like a faith quality there? Stepping up requires speaking to your own heart and encouraging your own faith. God says, Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? I believe that there are too many that have settled for the wilderness. And God is now calling us to step courageously into the promised land. It's time to stop making excuses and inherit the promise. So first one is step up. The second one is step over. He says, go over this Jordan. Now arise, go over this Jordan. Sometimes we need to step over some things. Transition can be painful to our souls. In fact, the word Jordan that the Israelites had to travel through, the word Jordan means descending into death because the Jordan River descends into the Dead Sea. It flows into the Dead Sea. And so it's symbolic of death. And so Israel, if they were going to inherit the promise as Joshua, Jesus, led them through, they needed to step into death, die of themselves and be reborn. It's a symbol of baptism. Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. And so many times, if we are going to inherit the future, we cannot still live in the past. We need to put some things to death. We need to leave some things behind. We need to forget those things that lie behind, the things in the past, and press on through the Jordan. There's a baptism, there's a rebirth that happens as we step over into the promised land, oftentimes, if we're going to embrace the new and inherit the promise, we need to be willing to let certain things die. God says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, Moses was a great servant, he led Israel for 80 years, right? He was, God used him powerfully. But that time is now over. It's a new season. Can you perceive it? Can you see it? It's no longer the season that it was. And we've got to be willing to lay some things down. Isaiah 43, 18 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Like that's in the scriptures. (laughs) Don't dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing, says God. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God is going to do this miraculously and he's asking you, do you see the future? Don't dwell on the past. That is for someone here today. I'm doing a new thing. Here's a saying I want us to repeat to ourselves regularly. We might honor the past. Today on our sixth birthday, we're honoring what God has done. God knows we're loyal to the future. We honor the past, but we're loyal to the future. We're thankful for what God has done, but we are straining on towards the goal. Amen? There was a, when, when Israel was camped at the edge of the promised land, they sent some spies into the land and those people came back with a negative report saying that the people in this land are stronger than we are. We were like grasshoppers in their sight an overwhelmingly negative report. And this is one point that I think is super important for everybody. (coughs) Hello, as you step into your future, everybody awake again. As you step into your future, not everyone is going to make it across with you. Moses and a generation who did not have the faith for the new season, did not transition into the promised land. And this is something that has been painful for me to learn over the years of church leading. But I know that in every season, God brings the people with the faith for the season. And there are many that endure each season as God awakens that faith in each of them. But there have been times when I've been so sad to leave some people behind But even in this instance, when there's a transition, not everyone is going to believe in your tomorrow. There are some people that might come to to anchor and say, that's just anchor's ceiling, that's just what they're going to be. And eventually, they'll become disillusioned and they, they might go somewhere else, hopefully. That's okay, because God is gonna stir up, in our hearts, a faith for a new season. And in your own life, as you transition, understand that some will be able to cross over with you, others will not. God is going to bring the right people alongside you for the new season. And so sometimes we have to let some people go in one season in order to move into the new. Lee and I realized this when, you know, as a couple, we stepped into our new season and we realized that there were some who couldn't forget what lies behind, couldn't, They were stuck in the old season, couldn't perceive a new season with us. But we had absolute faith in what God had called us to. And we're so grateful for every person that transitioned with us. But we had to be okay, as much as it saddened us, to say not everybody is going to believe in us. And I want to tell you for your life, not everybody is going to believe in your vision for the future, in what God has called you for. The good news is they can't stop it. God is the one who watches over his word to perform it. So don't let the perceptions of others cause doubt in your heart. Don't let your peers, maybe it's a business thing. Maybe you're like, I want to be a, a, a leader in this field, in my industry. And you're looking at your peers in the industry and they're going, yeah, oh no, sorry, you just don't have what it takes. Don't let their doubt become your doubt. Amen? Amen? All right, I'm preaching too long this morning. Um, Number three, step into, step into. Now arise, go over this Jordan into the land that I am giving to you. This is something that God is giving us. There's There's an amazing realization in the scripture that God is actually the one who gives us the land, that it's already something that's been settled. He's giving us the land, but yet it's not automatic. We still have to step into it. We still have to take that act of faith to possess. He says to Joshua, every place the sole of your foot treads, I will give to you. He says, I'm already giving it to you, but you need to take the step. If Joshua stayed on that side of the Jordan, the Israelites would have remained in the wilderness. Because I've given you the land. Now go and take it. Go and take it. That doesn't mean that there won't be battle. So many of us step into the promised land. First thing, a battle. Okay, no, it wasn't the right place. I'm going back to where I thought it was more comfortable. No, the first thing they did when they crossed over was fight a battle in Jericho. But God gives the victory. We can have faith for the battle. So we've got to step over and step into. Luke 9 verse 51. It says, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. That scripture there talks about how Jesus had committed that this is where we're going. Isaiah says he set his face like flint to go. So there's an act of faith here. We set our faces like flint. We fix our eyes on what Jesus has and we step into the promised land. We need a clear vision. Do you have a clear vision for your life? You know one of the things that I've started doing? I've started writing out a dream theater. Just include pictures. Do you have dreams for your life? Do you have dreams for your family? Do you have dreams for how God is gonna work through you? Do you have dreams for those areas, uh, all the different areas of your life? Write it down. Create a theater of dreams, not a soccer reference. Just create a theater of dreams for what God wants to do in your life and step into it, pray about it, trust him for it. You cannot run forwards while looking backwards. You cannot run forwards while looking backwards. If you ever see, watch athletics, when somebody is running and they begin looking over their shoulders, it's usually already a signed deal that they're going to lose that race. You know why? They're no longer running to win, they're running not to lose. We don't run not to lose. Jesus says anybody who puts his hand to the plow, looking back, it's not fit for the kingdom. It's not how the kingdom works. We look forward and we run. 1 Corinthians 9 24. Do you not know that all in a race, that in a race, all runners run, but only one gets the prize? So run to win. There's an attitude there, there's a faith there. I want to end with this. What is the purpose? What is the purpose? Why do we do these things? Is it selfish? Do we just want to kind of come to the end of our lives and say, look at what I've done? No, we're doing it by His grace. There's nothing that we can claim as having come from ourselves. This is all by the sufficiency that we have in Jesus. But there's one very important reason why we pursue all these things so passionately. For you shall, cause, you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Do you know that there are people in this city today that do not even know the inheritance that is theirs in Christ? They are wandering as lost souls in the wilderness without a sense of purpose, without a sense of meaning, without the awareness of God's presence. And we are the ones that get to represent Jesus, that get to be the Joshua in the situation, that get to take the hands of people, of families, of friends, and we get to cause them to inherit the promise. My desire as a pastor is to help you inherit every single thing that God has for you, that you would know your inheritance and receive it. But that's our job for this city. I almost pointed this way, but the city's that way. For this city, Why are we passionate as a church? Because we want to help people inherit the promise that God has for their lives. This is what we're passionate about, and this is what I believe God is going to help us to do in the season that lies ahead. For people to step up, for people to step over, to leave the old season behind, and for people to step into all the great things that God has for them. Is that something that you want for your life? Come on, is that something that you want for your life? That's something that we're gonna believe for in the season that is to come. We know we can be confident because Jesus is our Joshua and he is leading us there. Ephesians 3.20, last scripture says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. To Him be the glory in the church, Anchor Church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is all for His glory. It's not for our glory. It's to our benefit, but it's for His glory. Amen? Are we ready, Anchor Church? It's time. We're going to step up. We're going to step over, and we're going to step into. Amen? Amen. will not you stand with me this morning as we pray?